As a cisgender woman performing as a drag queen in a world of cisgender men doing the same, people ask me if I get accused of trespassing. We're going to create feminine space together, which means a lot of things may happen tonight. The culture portrays drag as frivolous fun, but it is also serious art in extravagant disguise. I'm coming into the night. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. Lima's Superior Court opens door to Peruvian marriage equality Rockin' British ally hits sour note in Kuala Lumpur, and Phonique's unique F-word feminism defies boundaries. Those stories and more this week now that you've discovered This Way Out. I'm David Hunt. And I'm Kaylin Hardman. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending July 29th, 2023. The door to civil marriage equality in Peru appears to have opened, thanks to the Superior Court of Justice of Lima. A ruling published on July 21st ordered the National Registry of Identification and Civil Status to proceed with the registration of a Peruvian lesbian's marriage to her foreign female spouse. The couple legally wed abroad in 2019. When the federal agency that maintains birth, marriage, and divorce records refused to register the marriage, the Peruvian woman went to court. The registry argued that the definition of marriage in Peru's Civil Code of 1984 is a voluntary union between a man and a woman. The court labeled that provision inapplicable. The justices asserted in their ruling that societies must advance towards organizations and states of democratic tolerance where minorities may accede to rights under equal conditions and without suffering due to a certain condition, situations, or norms that discriminate against them. An appeal seems likely. Peru lags behind a number of other South American countries that already enjoy civil marriage equality, including Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, and Uruguay. 33 men were arrested in a warrantless raid on a gay sauna in Valencia, Venezuela on July 23rd. While the men between the ages of 21 and 57 thought they were enjoying a private space with other consenting adults, activists claimed that an anonymous phone call to police reported that an orgy was taking place at Avalon Club involving men with HIV. The prosecutor's office is charging the defendants with outrage to modesty, among other crimes. 30 of the 33 men were released on bail after four days behind bars. They're ordered to report to authorities every 30 days until they go to trial. The sauna's owner and two masseurs may still be trying to make bail, according to the Washington Blade. Amidst the ongoing economic and political crises in the South American country, activist Yandri Velazquez told El País that there was another questionable raid on a gay sauna in the capital of Caracas earlier this year. Patrons suffered abuse by the arresting officers when a gay bar was busted last year. Velazquez says that the latest raid on the country's third largest city shows the deepening criminalization of homosexuality in Venezuela. 
Chechen singer Zalim Kambakov has been silenced. Reports surfaced this week that his homeland's virulently anti-queer dictator, Ramzan Kadyrov, ordered Bakov to be murdered. Kadyrov had been horrified to learn that he'd been photographed shaking hands with the man he did not know was gay. The popular singer had fled to Moscow as Kadyrov's purge of LGBTQ people raged in Chechnya. He returned home to the semi-autonomous Muslim Russian region to attend his sister's wedding in August 2017. Bakov has not been seen or heard from since. A new report issued this week by the regional human rights group, SKSOS, asserts that he was tortured and killed by Chechen security forces. Bakov's body was returned to his family with orders to bury him like a dog. Kadyrov actually talked about the death of the singing star during a 2018 speech. Russian President Vladimir Putin's pal maintained that Bakov had been killed by his family after they realized that he was gay. The lead singer of a British rock group's attempted allyship backfired badly in Kuala Lumpur. Maddie Healy of the 1975 used their headlining performance at the Three Days Good Vibes Festival to speak out against Malaysia's anti-LGBTQ laws. A bottle of wine in hand, Healy closed his profanity-riddled comments by kissing bass guitarist Ross MacDonald for an extended period of time. I made a mistake. When we were cooking shows, I wasn't. Looking into it, and then I do not see the point of inviting the 1975 to a country and then telling us who we can have sex with. And I'm sorry if that offends you and your religion. Unfortunately, you don't get a set of loads of uplifting songs because I'm furious. And that's not fair on you, because you're not representative of your government. That put an end to the good vibes. Organizers and government authorities canceled the rest of the festival. Healy's rant also struck a dissonant chord with several Malaysian activists. Drag performer Carmen Rose told CNN, What Maddie Healy did, he thought he was doing something for us, but it's white savior complex. He thinks we need saving. He thinks we need fixing, when in reality, we have queer organizations here already doing the work. Numerous other LGBTQ Malaysians posted similar criticisms online. Some called Healy's gesture nothing more than a publicity stunt. The 1975 has advocated for queer equality for years. They were notoriously kicked off the stage during the 2019 performance in Dubai after Healy kissed a male fan to protest laws against same-gendered sex in the United Arab Emirates. A 15-year-old volleyball player and an 11-year-old cross-country, soccer, and basketball player are back on their teams, for now. 
U.S. District of Arizona Judge Jennifer Zips granted a preliminary injunction this week to stop the Grand Canyon State from enforcing its ban on trans female athletes authentically competing in school sports. The plaintiffs challenging the Save Women's Sports Act are identified in court filings as Jane Doe and Megan Rowe. Zip's ruling noted that even cisgender female athletes can be investigated and forced to submit to genetic testing to prove their biological sex under the law. As Zips wrote, the act subjects only female athletes, transgender and otherwise, to gender challenges and investigations. Boys playing on boys' teams do not have to worry about any gender challenge or investigation. In temporarily blocking the trans women's sports ban, the federal judge said she believes that the plaintiffs are likely to win their constitutional challenge. Finally, I'm coming into the night from out of the dark. You opened the door so I could open my heart. Now I can look away from all the beauty we are. I'll leave a trail in the sky like a shooting star. I'm coming into the light. That's Japanese pop singer-songwriter Shinjiro Ataye singing his official coming out song, Into the Light. He told about 2,000 fans at a July 26 Tokyo concert, For years, I struggled to accept a part of myself, but now, after all I have been through, I finally have the courage to open up to you. I am a gay man. The crowd cheered its approval and support, although his announcement rattled his socially conservative country's older citizens. 34-year-old Shinjiro became a star as part of the J-pop group AAA, whose members have also applauded his openness. He took a break in 2016 and moved to Los Angeles to take entertainment business classes and learn English. He says he was moved by how open LGBTQ people could be there. Now he's relaunching his solo career back home. A portion of the proceeds from Into the Light will be going to Rebit, a Japanese queer youth support group. Shinjiro expressed his appreciation for all the support he's been receiving. In one social media post, he wrote that he hopes people who are struggling with the same feeling will find courage and know that they are not alone. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending July 29th, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm David Hunt. Stay healthy. And I'm Kaylin Hardman. Stay safe. Hi, I'm Daryl Stevens, Noah in the Noah's Ark movie and TV series, and you've discovered This Way Out, the international radio show for all our sexually diverse communities and those who love them.
Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. preconceived notions of what constitutes drag and get ready for a different kind of queen doing a postmodern dance. She's an author, not exactly an activist, a gendered maybe call her hyperconforming performer. It's complicated. Eric Jansen worked hard to fit her into a 30-minute box on Out in the Bay last year, so this condensed version is literally only the half of it. Where do feminism and drag meet? This evening, we're going to create feminine space together. (laughs) A space of multiplicity, of potentiality, which means a lot of things may happen tonight. We might get a little um, non-linear, a little um, intuitive. That's just a tease from this week's guest, Monique Jenkinson, a.k.a. Phonique, performing in her show, The F Word, in 2016 at Oasis. We'll hear more from it later. A choreographer, dancer, and performance artist, Ms. Jenkinson. Oh, may I call you Ms.? Should I call you Ms.? You may. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Since making herstory as the first cisgender female to be crowned Miss Trannyshack in 2003, raising many glittery eyebrows at the time. Monique has performed nationally and internationally in venues ranging from nightclubs and museums to San Francisco City Hall. Her art has resulted in multiple awards and honors, including a Goldie Award from the San Francisco Bay Guardian and a residency at the Headland Center for the Arts. She joins me, perhaps we should call it for a kiki, to talk about drag, feminism, and more, and to read from and let you know about her book, Faux Queen, A Life in Drag. It's a collection of essays about Monique's life and career, chronicling the journey of this classically trained ballet dancer from California suburbs to Colorado to San Francisco's underground drag scene and beyond. Monique Jenkinson, welcome. Thank you so much, Eric. It's so great to be here. Do you prefer like Monique or Phonique? I mean, the book is under the name Monique. Right. Well, I am in full drag right now. So, you know, the rule is usually when you're in drag, you go by your drag name. And when you're out of drag, you don't. But most people in our community go by their drag names because, you know, there's a lot of Michaels, but, you know, there's only one (laughs) precious moments or (laughs) fill in the blank, right? So, um, yeah, so you can call me Monique or Phonique. I answer to both. Phonique, you have some passages to read for us. Uh, Where would you like to start? I do. This is from Faux Queen, A Life in Drag, which I would call a collection of essays in drag as a memoir. So this section, little section, is about me choosing my drag name, Phonique. Most importantly, Phonique 
speaks to artifice and authenticity, and authenticity through artifice. The culture portrays drag as frivolous fun, but it is also serious art in extravagant disguise. Claiming the fakery emboldened me in the same way that drag itself did. If I proclaimed that this was all fake, it let me and my audience off the hook and left space for surprise. The name was a tactic that would work in multiple situations. Phonique allows me to play with ideas of belonging or feeling like I don't. It evokes the feeling I had when I realized that the pretend neutral version of authenticity espoused by the post-Judson contemporary dance world was not mine. Phonique articulates the authenticity I found in drag. And this is from chapter one, What's in My Purse? As a cisgender woman performing as a drag queen in a world of cisgender men doing the same, people ask me if I get accused of trespassing, when what they really want to ask is, are drag queens as bitchy as they are on TV? Do they hate you? By drag queens, they mean real drag queens. By real drag queens, they mean men. I answer, no, not in my world. I conceived and birthed my drag persona in a warm pool of liberation and love surrounded by cheerleading drag doulas. Sure, there was the rare naysayer who questioned my presence while clutching her pearls and clucking about women treading on gay men's territory. She was not drag family, but usually a distant relative from out of town, even if by out of town, I mean just across town. I was ushered into the San Francisco drag scene by queens who valued me for my talents as well as my quirks, who embraced and encouraged me. These queens understood deeply that I had been performing drag my entire life, that we all perform our genders to an extent, most of us in some form of drag at least some of the time. And even when those queens dragged the abject and ridiculous aspects of femininity, the loving intentions of their humor was clear. I went from the club back into the world feeling valued, celebrated, and intellectually engaged. Fantastic. Thank you. That's Monique Jenkinson reading from her book, Faux Queen, A Life in Drag. I understand, right, wanting to run away and join a lesbian separatist Wiccan goat farm commune. A clip from The F Word, a performance about feminism past and present, which premiered in London in 2015. Is that right? It did. Yeah, okay. When it's all too much and even the rainbow is enough. But I'm not a separatist. I want to share my feminine space with you. I'm not irritated by allies in need of educating. I don't think that's any of you. I think I think you're all you 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 get it. What about this thing about not being irritated by allies in need of educating? <laughs> it seems like there's a little bit of a f you to people who are being like politically like super politically correct. Perhaps am I saying? Right, right. Well, no, it's not an f you. It's just and it is. It does come from this. Um, 
you know, this idea that sometimes, you know, right now, and rightly so, there are a lot of people going, like, it's not my job to educate you, and it's not. But I've always actually loved educating people. Like, if people want to ask me about feminism, I'll talk to you about feminism. You know, I, I'm i not, um, I don't feel, for me personally, like, I don't want to be in rooms with people who need to ask me, you know, sometimes irritating questions. <laughs> <laughs> about stuff or not irritating questions. Um, and it, it's something that I've, I've quoted Dan Savage actually sometimes when he's like, yeah, I'll tell you all about, you want to ask me about gay sex? I'll tell you about gay sex till you tell me to shut up, you know? And it, it's a little bit how I feel about, you know, f feminism, but I'm kind of playing with the tropes of, of feminism. One of which is that, you know, it's not my job to educate you. <laughs> I'm Eric Jansen. My guest is Monique Jenkinson, a.k.a. Phonique, dancer, performance artist, and now author. I have to ask how much anger, or perhaps I should say righteous rage, inspires or fuels your work. Oh, a lot. A lot. I mean, it's kind of fun. I did the F word, which is my fun, cute cabaret show about feminism. And then later I did a show that, you know, in which I called the 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 c word i didn't call it the c word but it 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 uses that word um because it's just i was so mad i just wanted to use you know what is this word that we use to um you know it's it's like the worst thing you can call anyone but it it is not a reclaimed slur like queer it just means what it means and so it's like and yet it's it's the worst thing you can say and to me that was like so profoundly misogynist and I was just deep in, yeah, I was deep in my feminist rage when I made that piece. So a lot of my work kind of comes from that place. Um, you know, I try to, I think it's important to keep your sense of humor and use it. And all the gay men in my life have taught me that, that they survived a plague through humor and the uses of it. And so that's, you know, one of the big, big lessons of this book and big themes of this book is my friendships with gay men and also, you know, how humor helps us through. Yeah. And uh, speaking about uh, problematic words um, and and the deep friendships you've had with gay men, you know, the term uh, fag hag comes up for me, which was used a lot then, not so much anymore. But you had these, and you described these deep friendships you've had with gay men. How, what do you think is the commonality that, that can bind uh, cisgender women and gay men? I think it's mysterious. I think, you know, the fag hag thing is, you know, I, it's fun. I've used it. It's fun. It's funny. It's retro. Um, it doesn't quite, and I talk about this in the book, it doesn't quite get at the depth and mystery um, of my affinity with gay men. I mean, and then later, you know, I realized like I, you know, say like I love gay men most, not only, not all gay men, not only gay men. <laughs> But most and mostly, you know, and it was there were some important lessons about um, that not all gay men love me and I don't love all gay men. But, um, you know, you can't love everybody. Not everyone's going to love you. But that affinity for me is it's about measuring. I, I think, you know, the, the pain, the shared pain is is about kind of measuring up to the culture's standards and knowing you kind of can't. In Folk Queen, you write about uh, participating in a masculinity workshop in Italy. What was that like? <laughs> it was great. It was great. These queen, these I, I was um, traveling and performing with a bunch of um, 
faux queens or afab queens or whatever the word we're using now for cis women who do drag, um, a bunch of them and a bunch of drag kings. So it was all assigned female at birth people um, doing all kinds of drag. And there was a masculinity workshop that I just popped into. And it was it was really interesting, but it was very foreign. And it was it was a great workshop, but it was kind of like, oh, this is not this is not me. You know, it was very profoundly not me. And there was another queenie young man in the class, too. And we both kind of exchanged looks like this is not me. <laughs> um, and that was, you know, it was it was deep. It was it was deep and profound to, you know, get. I, but I think it's so valuable as a dancer to inhabit to imagine yourself into a body that you might not inhabit. You talk in the book about Halloween as a, as a little girl and as a teenager. And, you know, from that little girl on how Halloween was so important. And I remember how for me, Halloween and the Castro in the nineties, when tranny check and uh, the stud and all that stuff was just getting going, it was so fun. And it was so liberating. I think for me, this is the first time I ever did drag was with my group of you know, friends. And we went out with a little troupe and we had a routine and people cleared the way for us to do a performance. It was really fun. What did you do? Uh, one year we were the solid gold dancers and another year we were uh, rhythmic gymnasts from Toledo, Ohio. The Toledo Twisters actually oh, is what we were called. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'll show you the video sometime. <laughs> Please, because my first Halloween in the Castro, and I write about it in the book, my first Halloween in the Castro blew my mind. And this was 1992. But there was a troupe of drag, there was a drag bowling team that did the same thing. They cleared the crowd and they had a little routine that they did. So, um, <laughs> you know. There were like, a bunch of them running so around. It was fun. Good. But yeah, that year, I mean, there was like, you know, everything from Easter Island statues to Scarlett O'Hara with her, you know, the the Carol Burnett Scarlett O'Hara with the curtain dress to the bowling team to another like a flock of Carmen Mirandas. I mean, it was fabulous. So you talk about Halloween and being um, eventually you said, you know, to hell with it. I don't need to do this just on one day a year. And you started wearing sort of um, clothes that challenged your uh, the mean girls and uh, stupid boys at school and, yes. you know, consequences be damned. And here you are now, Phonique. Thank you. Well, I want to thank you so much. My guest has been Monique Jenkinson, a.k.a. Phonique, author of the new book, Faux Queen, A Life in Drag. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me. Thank you so much, Eric. It's so fun to be here. You've been listening to Out in the Bay. My guest was Monique Jenkinson, Phonique, author of Faux Queen, A Life in Drag. Thanks also to our fabulous producer, Kendra Klang, and our amazing sound designer and editor, Christopher Beale. I'm Eric Jansen. We'll have a link to Faux Queen on our website, outonthebay.org, where you can hear this whole show and more than 40 from the past year and a half. Follow the adventures of Monique Phonique Jenkinson at Phonique, that's F-A-U-X-N-I-Q-U-E dot net. Hello, this is the actor Michael Emerson. I play Ben on Lost. It's not easy being one of the others, so if time travel or moving the island isn't an option and you're feeling sort of lost, try listening to Greg and Lucia on This Way Out. Mm-hmm. 
for discovering this way out brought to you by the nonprofit overnight productions news wrap was reported this week by david hunt and caitlin hardman produced by brian DeShazer. our correspondent was eric jansen produced by kendra klang with original sound design and editing by christopher beale Zalim Kambakov, the 1975 Shinjiro Ataya, The Doors, and Abba performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This We Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon, and all of us at This Way Out. I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on WWUH West Hartford, Connecticut, 3CH Wooden Victoria, KHE in Salida, Colorado, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.